In today's global economy, quality matters. Benjamin Franklin once quipped, the bitterness of poor quality remains long after the sweetness of low price is forgotten. Quality Matters is here to talk about all things quality. So whether you're looking to improve your business, getting ready for an audit, or dealing with failed inspections, tune in, check us out, then get back to doing work that matters. Hey everyone, welcome back to Quality Matters. I'm Darcy. And I'm Kyle. So we have a few announcements before we get started on this episode. It's really unlike us to do this. But we're going to try something new. One thing is we have an official Quality Matters LinkedIn page. Yes. What's Do you know the... You just do hashtag Quality Matters. You go to the Texas Quality Assurance LinkedIn page. But we're putting all of the Quality Matters content on its own dedicated page. So if you're looking for us and want to hear our voices even more... You should. You can go to LinkedIn and search Quality Matters and follow us. Um, It's an easy way to interact with mm-hmm. us and comment and we can talk back and forth um, and we really like to hear from our listeners doesn't oh, yeah. happen often but yeah. <laughs> we would like we would like for it to happen more often yeah so well, something else that we're really excited about is we are having a live panel discussion in person with real human beings it's face to face unheard of this is weird so we're excited um, to do this, it's going to be, this is our first one, right? Yeah. 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 Um, so it's at Fogo de Chow on March 2nd. Mm-hmm. Fogo de Chow is on Westheimer. Yes. At 11 a.m. It's a lunch. Mm-hmm. It's $25 a person. Yep. And we'll have the link in the show notes to sign up. There's not many seats available either. So yeah, be sure if you want to attend, you sign up. And this isn't one of those like you know, sleazy sales guy pitches. <laughs> no, there's like really only space. there's only 15 people because of COVID yep. and the size of the room. And I think we're going to have about five people on the panel. So that leaves us with 15 attendees. So it's going to be a really small, intimate gathering where you get to meet with us and our panel members. And we're going to talk about quality management for small businesses in this new economy that looks like it's going to keep on lasting. <laughs> yes. But that doesn't mean that folks they can't find fun ways to adapt. And it's just going to be a lot of fun. It's, it's a chance to sit down and talk with other folks in a similar position as you get a chance just to talk with people and uh, enjoy a good meal yeah and the $25 includes a lunch yes is it kind of like a buffet style kind of it they call it it their uh um what is it the market uh, table and they're gonna have you know meats and breads and all kinds of brazilian things we've never been to fogo de chow so beyond doing a live event we're excited just to go (laughs) eat there (laughs) so it'll be fun make sure you sign up i'll have all of the information in the show notes here and it'll of course be on our linkedin page so Mm -hmm. go check it out so first 15 people and that's That's it it. and if there's interest then we can we'll be live streaming the whole thing yeah so you can watch on live stream I personally like to be with people when I can. Yeah. And um, it looks like we're developing a good relationship with Fogo to Chow. So hopefully we can continue doing these. And if you don't get into the first one, you know, you'll get into the next one. But yep. you got to fill us up for the first one so we can yes, keep having Yes, the first one them. has to be a success, y'all. <laughs> <laughs> okay, on to the episode. I am a lot nervous about this. 
But I'm also a little excited because I have finally managed to make Kyle a little bit nervous yes. about this. He's come into every single episode being, you know, Joe Cool. I don't want to say like a know-it-all because he's just... He, he does know a lot about quality management, and he's very passionate about it, so that's why he knows mm-hmm. a lot. Um, but I was reading some case studies to uh, have some more ideas for uh-huh. more episodes, and I really had no idea what they were talking about. <laughs> and, and I'm not a quality management expert. I know we've got a lot of new listeners recently. I've said it in the past, if you've gone back and listened Kyle drug me into this kicking and screaming. However, I have learned a lot yes. throughout this process. I don't couldn't quote the standard, don't know anything about it, but I get the general idea. Yes. Reading these case studies, they were talking about Lean Six Sigma. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah. It, it can get very, very technical, very involved quickly. So, you know, I've heard that thrown around in the time that I've worked with you mm-hmm. doing this, and... My idea of Lean Six Sigma was always kind of like quality management on steroids. That's an easy way to put it. But I feel like it's on a harder drug than steroids. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. So in this episode, we're just going to kind of try to maybe stake out some differences Mm -hmm. between ISO 9001 quality management and Lean Six Sigma or Six Sigma? Is there a difference between Six Sigma and Lean? There's Lean, there's Six Sigma, and Lean Six Sigma. And they're doing karate, too, apparently. Yes, they have their green belts, they got their black belts, you know. They're they're in there doing their uh, quality ninja thing. And I don't mean, I'm not making light of this at all. I Clearly, the people that know and are certified in these things are very smart people. Oh, yeah. Hands down. Um, So... I said, let's do an episode where we kind of delineate between these things. Sure. And Kyle got a little nervous. He (laughs) said, I can talk a little bit about this, but I don't know a whole lot about it. But hopefully our listeners will get enough out of it that it'll be. Yeah, no, absolutely. Well, there's there's so many misconceptions about what it is, what it isn't, where it could and couldn't and shouldn't, shouldn't be used. So we'll kind of dive into that. All right. So which came first, the lean or the regular? I assume the regular. Actually, I don't know too much on the history there. I can give you a, a brief synopsis. synopsis. Well, I was just going to say, let's talk about that one first. So it sure. doesn't matter. Just tell us about Six Sigma. So the idea with Six Sigma, it is, um, it's actually a mathematical term. So Sigma, which is for a standard deviation. So um, it, math geeks, I know what that is. You do? I do. Okay. So if you've got the mean, which uh-huh. is the average, you're allowed a certain amount from the mean. Correct. To be within limits, which Correct. is your standard deviation. Correct. Oh, see? I knew that. <laughs> so it's based on the idea of a normal distribution. And that doesn't mean normal like, hey, he's a normal guy over there and that's a weirdo over there. It means like this is the <laughs> normal way that things distribute themselves in nature. And you're going to find this distribution in anything, everything that occurs naturally. Okay. Um, and so it means that most of the people kind of clump to get most of whatever you're measuring clumps together in the center. 
And the further you get to either extreme, the fewer and fewer and fewer cases occur. Okay. So that by the time you get to three standard deviations above or three standard deviations below the mean, you're at less than one in a million chance of it occurring. So we're talking about a bell curve. Yes, a bell curve. Okay. Okay. Yes. That's easy. Yeah. So Six Sigma is three standard deviations to the left, three standard deviations to the right. Okay. That's your Six Sigma. That's where the Six comes from. Exactly. Okay. Got it. in an ideal world, because you've got such tight process controls that everything is clumped right there, very center line. So could they even be one standard deviation away? Well, every th- you that bell curve is going to get really freaking steep at that point. Right. So then any errors occur outside of six sigma, occur outside of three standard deviations to the right or to the left. So, so that everything is... In the middle of your bell curve. In the middle, and you've got a very steep, very tightly controlled bell curve. Oh, well, that really simplifies it. It does. Makes now it you so understand easy. why all of these numbers and you know the math goes bonkers on it because they're trying to figure out how tight how we can get it within numbers. the center of the bell curve. Exactly. Oh, well, that wraps up our episode <laughs> today. <laughs> So <laughs> I'm just kidding. There's more to it, I'm sure. Yes. And so that that's the Six Sigma side. And I'm grossly overgeneralizing here. Um, and please, if anyone has any input, I am open to it because this is not my expertise. Just trying to give an overview and for folks. I did. I didn't even talk to Kyle about this. I did consider having someone in that is certified or knows more about Six Sigma, but I felt grossly inadequate to carry on a conversation with them and i Mm -hmm. felt like my eyes would glass over and i would be totally disrespectful to have somebody on here because i wouldn't even know what questions to ask them so that's the idea of six sigma is you're doing the math to figure out you know what are our upper limits what are our lower limits and then you can have some fun with the the numbers in there so that you can see well what if you're Maybe everything's really tightly controlled, but what if your tool gets dull over a period of time? Well, then that whole average is going to start shifting to one side. Mm-hmm. So then you can measure the movement of that of uh, that average. They call it the MR, the movement rate, or the AMR, average movement rate. So you can track that movement rate. And so if you're tracking all of this data, which you have to have lots of data to do well with it, but if you're tracking all of this data, you could know days, weeks, months in advance when you're going to start getting errors. Because okay. you see that that rank, you see that belt that bell curve is there, but the center of the bell curve is moved to the right a little bit. So it sounds like it would only work as long as you're tracking this on the regular. Yes. Like lots, daily. Uh, lots of data. Okay. So that's a downfall to Six Sigma is because if we're talking about small businesses out there, um, or even, you know, larger organization, but you just don't have all the data points. Mm-hmm. And it can be very costly and difficult to get those data points. If you're doing a lot of custom services or field services, it gets even more difficult. Not saying it can't be done. Yeah. There are folks that do it, but it's, it's some effort to get there. Mm-hmm. Well, that's where Lean comes in. Because the idea with Six Sigma is you're going to make improvements to reduce your spread on the bell curve and to center your data and to track your data, you're going to have to make improvements to do that. Okay. Kind of like what we talked about with the Toyota stuff several times, right? Mm-hmm. Like, you know, at the end of the factory line, the Ford folks couldn't understand why they didn't tap the doors with a mallet. Oh, I actually think that was the American Toyota people. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> and case, so they were wanting to figure out, like, why you didn't tap the doors with the, the hammer. And it, they said, well, because we've engineered it to fit. Right. So there may have been in, you know, 
so many additional steps to get there that all of these little tiny variances added up so that they just had to pound the doors into shape. Mm -hmm. So that's kind of where Six Sigma evolved from. But then you have the idea of lean. And lean takes those same process improvement aspects without so much of the math. Okay. Um, so, like, say you've got a, a part that's going through a machine shop. You know, I actually have done a little bit of this with a company I worked for before. Is we rearranged the entire shop shop floor mm -hmm. because we would have parts come in from inspection. Then they go to weld. They go to grind. They go to weld. They go to machining. So you put it more in order of where it should yeah. be. Yeah, and it was it was amazing how many times these parts got shifted and shuffled across the floor, and then we had all these cables stretched across the floor. Now they had the cable covers, so it was safe for everyone. But dag for gum. people like me that trip over their own feet, that, yeah, that doesn't help very much. No, and especially <laughs> not when you've got ugh, in case. So you can do a lot with uh, the lean methodology to 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 trim down your production process so that it's lean. You're cutting the fat. Okay. That's why it's lean. So, you know, with quality management, ISO 9001 is kind of the standard. Is Six Sigma the standard? Is it its own company that oversees this? Nope, or it what? is a whole methodology. So it's kind of like you can say we've got ISO 9001 for your quality assurance program. Mm -hmm. Okay. But you've also got APIQ1 for your quality assurance program. You've got AS9100D for your quality assurance program. You know, API being the oil and gas, AS9100 being aerospace. You know, you've got all sorts of quality assurance standards out there. But quality assurance and quality management is a whole methodology in itself. Mm -hmm. Six Sigma is its whole methodology in itself. So is there any certification body for Six Sigma? Um, actually, or is it its own? I honestly don't know the details about how people get their various belt certifications. I know some of the work that goes into getting the belt certifications. But that, that's people, yes. right? That's not the company. No. So, you know, I know that we've done several case studies and just working with companies ourselves and the difference between those that have achieved mm -hmm. ISO 9001 certification versus those that maybe have a QMS but have don't have that stamp. Right. You know, there's a difference in profits right. that they can make in business they can there, do. There's not quite a stamp for saying that you're, you're Six Sigma on anything, okay. kind of like ISO. It's more of an internal process and way you approach things. And the benefit the benefit for these companies that, that employ um, Six Sigma is or implement and deploy employ that's not even a word gotcha. implement and deploy six sigma is in their own personal cost savings and is in their own personal um, improvements to their production process so this isn't for your customers this is for you very much which right. benefits your customers yeah, it's all a circle but yeah um well i had another question i just lost it now <laughs> <laughs> but all of this evolved uh largely out of the uh, toyota production system so this goes back to Edward Deming in the uh, 1950s when he went over to Japan to help rebuild so much of their manufacturing processes. And Japan and the Toyota way went one way. America stagnated for decades and hammered doors to make them fit. <laughs> um, while Toyota was making cars that would drive twice as long for half the cost. Mm -hmm. um, so a lot of this evolved out of that. And it really is. It's just tons of statistical information and analysis, and it can drive you completely bonkers if you don't understand some of the math behind it. So somebody that is using Six Sigma, a company that's using Six Sigma, could I assume they can get 
their ISO 9001 certification pretty easily. Um, you might be surprised there. There's a lot of overlap, but it's not it's not a necessary overlap because you could be doing really, really well with your production process, um, but still have issues with you. You may not have a documented communications procedure that meets the requirements of the standard. Mm-hmm. You may not have certain purchasing uh, controls that, that are in compliance with the standard. You know, you could still have a lot of documentation and processes that need written. Now, Ideally, you're going to be pretty close because to maintain that type of a control, Mm -hmm. the rest of your processes need to be good. We run into this sometimes with folks that have their uh, ASME uh, stamps. So ASME is American Society of Mechanical Engineers. Mm -hmm. So they've got various stamps. The most common ones are your R and your U stamps. And these are like for, uh, for pressure vessels. So if you're putting a vessel under pressure, when you start calculating the number of pounds per square inch, the number of square inches on this vessel, it might not be pressurized much, but it's a bomb waiting to explode. It's an enormous sum of force. So ASME does a... uh, can issue uh, your stamp to say that you your manufacturing processes and the work you do meets all these requirements. You're not going to go kill people when you fill up your pressure. Mm-hmm. Um, well, we run into folks that have their ASME stamps. They have amazing control of their production process, some of the best, most skilled folks out there, but they're still missing all the top-level process procedures and requirements for an ISO 9001 system. And the difference there is because what we talk about so much on here is ISO 9001 is just as much about culture mm-hmm. as it is about product quality. Six Sigma, these uh, ASME, the, these stamps, they're all about production processes and not the more holistic idea. Okay. So is Six Sigma like more readily received from employees, do you think? No. No? <laughs> no. Management, yes. Okay. Uh, salespeople who love to talk about it, yes. yes. Um, em- employees, a lot of times, no. Um, now, I guarantee there's someone out there right now cringing because they know how well it's worked for them, and, and you're the outlier from my experience here. Um, most of the folks that come in to do these events, they call them Kaizen events. There's, there's mm-hmm. tons of Japanese terminology all throughout it so i'm not going to throw all that out here but when they go and do these kaizen events usually it's someone that has their black belt which they have years experience that they're just phenomenal brilliant people Mm -hmm. they have a hard time bringing it down to the level that your average joe can understand and so what i have observed is a lot of the folks um have a bit of a chip on their shoulder i have been a part of a kaizen event before where someone came in and they had just such a wonderful personality and they were able to to, to really make this stuff relatable mm-hmm. that's a pleasure to be a part of but that's not the typical well i'm just meaning as far as production is concerned because it's it seems to me it's more like management says hey we're going to use this tool and you need to check it this many times a day and mm-hmm. xyz and follow these rules and that's it you six something is very valuable when you've got thousands of uh, repeated steps. So when you get to that point, it's a lot less of the craftsman type work, which is who we generally deal with. That's more what of I'm the saying. Large scale production. I feel like it's more black and white. Like somebody up top did all the calculations, and they're just telling you do this in your job. Yes, and that's it. Yep. Now, for the people being observed doing the work, it can be a less than pleasant experience. True. Because you're going to have guys with suits and engineers with three degrees staring down your shoulder. Not fun. 
which is where I'm kind of making the comparison because then versus ISO 9001 and what Mm -hmm. we do, because of the culture, we're trying to involve you more Mm -hmm. and get your input. Yes. So it is. It's And that's just – that's why I say that Six Sigma is not for every organization. Mm -hmm. Could you have benefits for any organization? Absolutely. But if you don't have enough data points, it's kind of like – you know, if you throw 20 numbers out there, it's kind of hard to figure out what the average is. You, you can't predict the next 100 events based on these 20. So what kind of companies would use Six Sigma versus ISO 9001? Uh, typical large production organizations. So if you're producing thousands of widgets on a regular basis, that's a given. Which, like, it came out of uh, the Toyota mm-hmm. production system. You're producing thousands of components to thousands of vehicles. Oh my gosh! If we could, and it's the same ones over and yes, over and over and that over. is a given. Now it can be implemented for field service and, and custom to order work, but it's uh, don't know a whole lot in that territory. Um, I know some people are good at it, but I think most folks aren't. Okay, well that makes sense. All right, I think that was good. Yeah, that's pretty much it. All so. right, thanks for listening, y'all. Thanks. Kyle here with Quality Matters. It is no surprise to any of you that listen that I am passionate about quality and quality management systems. There is so much good that can be done in our country, in our economy, in our communities by implementing these ideas. If you feel passionately about this as well, do us a favor and share this podcast with someone you know that could benefit from understanding or knowing that others feel passionately about quality and quality management and the good that it can do for us.